So hi everyone and welcome to the 11th episode of the Uni Money podcast with your host Nitin Shishkumar and and Shweta Jaiti. Yes. And this is the first time we are attempting a remote podcast Shweta and we've been at it for the last half an hour trying to figure out the best way to do it. Um we are working from home and I hope most of you on the call are staying safe and of course you know that we're talking about uh, the contagion uh, and the pandemic of COVID-19 over here uh, which has forced us to uh, kind of do our jobs from i would say the comfort of our homes and uh, probably spend more time watching the news and being fearful of a lot more things than we probably should at this point in time uh, but the purpose of this podcast is we are not co- you know pandemic experts nor are we uh, uh, experts on uh, specifically the covid-19 but we do want to talk about what has been happening uh, in the markets both the equity markets debt markets and gold and give you a sense of what we are thinking as well um anything that you want to add shweta no i think that's a good start and hopefully uh, the recording comes out uh, well uh, enough so in the future even if there's not a pandemic we can do this from remote location i know and in case you do hear sounds of uh, birds chirping dogs barking or uh bikes and cars honking do excuse that on uh, for this podcast right so the first question that i have shweta is that in the past so since january so it's been it's been 3 months since uh, and i'm going to use a sensex as kind of the benchmark so that people get a sense of uh, you know what we're saying mm-hmm. in the past 3 months or in the past 81 82 days the markets have fallen by 30% right and yeah. from peak of close to 41000 are uh, right down to close to 29000 right um you this is the first time to be very honest that i'm experiencing something like this or obviously you read a lot on financial history to get a sense of what happened but this is the first time that i'm also bang in the middle of such a sharp sell off or you on the other hand uh, you are so you have seen a similar sell off happening in 2008 uh, yes. 2008 so far was pretty much the exact same thing that happened right uh, the okay. market had hit a high of close to 21000 and by march 18th it had actually fallen by close to 30% to 14800 right um so what has been your experience in navigating such uh, turbulent times in the market so i think if you were to ask about lessons that we learned last time or uh, similarities to last time uh, that was also like a global event uh this is also a global event so uh, these are massive corrections that happen not just because uh something is happening in india but something's happening around the world and it's just uh, chaotic and it's just very uncertain i think more than anything uh, it's because of uncertainty we don't know if something is going to be fine in two weeks from now or two months from now and that's what is creating this panic um about stock markets when you talk about investors uh, one of the biggest uh differences that i'm seeing in investors uh, behavior then versus now is then everybody just wanted to exit and we had to literally tell people to you know just stay invested and all our efforts were in just investors staying invested uh today in fact uh, in the last two weeks i've had uh, a number of calls with most of our clients a lot of other people as well um where they are asking if this is a good time to enter the market Mm-hmm. Uh, so i think that panic uh, which we saw then uh, uh, we are not seeing today uh, maybe we see 
that in two weeks from now, I'm not sure. Maybe people are not understanding the kind of impact uh, this will have even on businesses in the future, right? Because um, mm. India is just about shutting down. Uh, it's not, you know, Bangalore at least has been uh, almost shut down in the last one and a half weeks, but uh, Bombay is just shutting down. So we will maybe see impact on businesses in uh, another month, two months from now. Uh, but uh, uh, impact on life is what we are seeing today. Um, mm. Investors, like I said, are looking for opportunities today, which I think is very positive. Uh, right. But I'm afraid that, you know, if they are going to invest today, they are looking at doubling in the next six months, which uh, honestly I don't think is uh, what is going to happen. Will yeah. it happen? I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. we, we hope it can happen, but that's not uh, what we are looking for. Right. So I do want to kind of go back to what happened in 2008 to kind of give a better reference point uh, as well, because you said that people have not panicked yet, right? Yeah. Um, and we mentioned this in a note that we put out uh, yesterday as well, Shweta, right? So uh, yeah. essentially the question is, is this a bear market, right? Uh, and yeah. in a bear market, usually what we see is the first phase is a brutal, very sharp sell-off that happens, right? Which we are kind of in the middle of at the moment. Mm. Um, and then there's a pullback or, you know, there's a reflexive bounce that happens in the market as people try to buy into it and, you know, they buy the dips as what we like to say, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then in a bear market, what follows after that is an actual meltdown where, uh, you know, there is massive selling to the scale that you didn't see earlier, right? And this is what happened in 2018, uh, 2008, sorry, right? Yeah. Um, so if I were to put some numbers to it, in 2008, uh, after the market hit that or started the year at a high of 20,800, it fell by close to 30%. So it fell to 13,300 odd levels, right? Uh, that was in less than three months. But following that, hmm. I'm sure a lot of, you said that people panicked even during that time, right? Because a lot of people may not have really experienced that. Yes. Uh, but today people have that reference point and say that, okay, 2008 was actually not too far. Uh, or long back. So I'm going to look at 2008 and see what happened. And in 2008, what happened is that after that sharp correction, there was a rebound of close to 18%. So yeah. the market actually went back up to 17,000 levels. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people would have also got the feeling that they missed out on investing when the market fell by 30%. And it sense that a lot of money would have even come into the market during those levels to kind of uh, you know, not want to miss out if the market continues to rise. Yeah. Right? Uh, but if you actually had bought into that buy the dip uh, kind of philosophy mm -hmm. and had bought into the market after they had fallen by 30%, mm -hmm. you would have doubled. So you spoke about doubling your money, but you would have only doubled your money in six years. Ah, okay. Years after yeah. you had invested if you had invested after the first 30% drop, mm -hmm. right? And if you had waited for 11 years, you would have tripled it, which is just a 9.5% compounded return. Right. right. So I think the worry that I have at this point with people buying the dips is, like none of us know what is actually going to happen. Maybe we are underestimating. The sense is that we're probably underestimating the second order impact on mm -hmm. economic activity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So don't get too carried away even if the market bounces back. Just yesterday, we had a market bounce of 6% in one single day. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. uh, so my general sense, what I'm getting is, don't get carried away by a market 
pull back as well and trust to put in your money uh, also kind of deploy all your money uh, at a 30% correction or you know just imagining that like you said you will double your money in 6 months because it frankly may not happen and if it is a bear market which we'll actually only know in hindsight um there is a possibility that the market could correct even further yes absolutely right so do we believe that this is the bottom and invest all our cash into equity uh, i really don't think so um we will never be able to catch the bottom we will never be able to catch the top right so it's important i to just be a little uh, okay with this being uh, on the fence a little uh, just waiting and be okay even with deploying at a later stage at slightly higher level provided that there is uh, actual evidence of uh, an economic recovery happening i think that's the general sense that i would uh, go with as an investor in them yes cool. uh, so nathan you're saying don't invest uh, all your money at this point but uh, what do we tell people who uh, actually think uh, that this is you know once in a lifetime opportunity and uh, i even got calls where people are saying you know uh, i am willing to take a loan to invest So what do we tell people then? Okay, so there are two parts to this, right? Shweta. So one is uh, the people who have already invested in the markets and they're thinking what to do, whether they should redeem their money, they should stay put, and all of that. And then there's a the second part of people who have that liquidity and now want to kind of deploy, or maybe don't have liquidity and even want to borrow money um, and take that risk, right? Uh, yeah. So my sense with so let me first try and address about people who have invested uh, in the markets already, right? People who have invested in the markets already, at least most of the people I hope have invested with some sort of a goal in mind, right? And we all know that these things happen with equity, uh, with equity investing from time to time. You participate in a bull run, you go through a correction. There are times when you enter at the peak and you go through a correction. in those cases which is why we keep that equities cannot be an asset class that you invest in for less than uh, 7 to 10 years right the longer yeah. the better because you are riding through all of these volatilities right uh, in those cases if your goals are really short term and you have made the mistake of uh, remaining invested in equities despite the goal being uh, you know so close and so near for you to achieve uh, you might actually want to wait to see if there's a pullback and actually pull out money and move it to a safer asset because like we said we don't know if this is going to be a prolonged bear market and we are underestimating the economic impact i know this goes contrary against advice that we say stay put uh, but if the goal is close and you have made the mistake of investing in equity uh, it might actually be better to uh, you know grab on to a pullback if it happens or if the pullback is actually happening and move money into a safer asset But you know what, Nitin. Most yeah. of us uh, usually don't have those goals uh, or have some money otherwise stashed away, which you could use for that particular goal. Or if it's for like a, a child's education or something, there would be options like taking a loan. So I'm just wondering if, um, say, I'm an investor who doesn't have a goal, right? Uh, in the next six months, or can make sure that you know some other provisions that take, you know, uh, uh, I can. Manage that money through maybe say taking a loan on my ETF. I'm just giving these examples because those are things that we could do at times like this as well. But uh, I have seen my portfolio erode 30 percent in right. the last three months, which is right. uh, very concerning. Which is now not letting me sleep at night. 
for example uh, or so what do i do then and i do have liquidity right so if you do have liquidity ideally you wouldn't put all your money into the market even at this level but you would keep averaging out the cost of mm-hmm. you know purchase right uh, like i just mentioned about 2008 earlier mm. after a 30% correction if you had invested all your money even at that point uh, it would have still taken you 6 years to double your money despite 2009 being a great year for the equity market there was a recovery of around 80 to 85% right, right. the reason why that happened and it took that much time for you to actually double your money because it's 12% compounded annualized return mm. right it's because after the 30% fall in the market to 14800 the market still after the pullback it still melted which is what at their market melt that rate right it still fell another 40% too close to 9000 level right mm. are you prepared to see something like that happen to your portfolio because let's be very honest we don't know if or uh, how much of an economic impact because it's too soon to say how much like you said things are just closing down right there will be a large impact on businesses uh, there are salary cuts that are happening as we seen uh, news on twitter of people actually losing their jobs contract yes. employees losing their jobs yes so this will have second order uh, effects of people delaying consumption So kind of like what happened in 2008, right? Where there was actually a full-fledged recession, and which forced the Federal Reserve in the U.S. to cut rates, and everyone else followed suit, right? Correct. Um, now the question over here is always also going to be about psychology and how we are ready to bounce back from something like this. Okay, uh, I'm I'm glad you brought out psychology because I, one right. thing that we have been doing, and I don't know if you want to let people in on this little secret. Uh, uh of how we sort of uh, manage our clients behavior as well uh, so there are uh, little or small switches that we keep doing on days and markets fall as well right Correct. so uh, i think that is one great way for me to manage just the client's emotions because while of course uh, you know you're seeing that notional uh, again any loss till you book is notional loss right so while you're seeing that 30% notional loss on maybe even a crore of your portfolio but if yeah. you've invested even 1 lakh on a day when market is hit bottom circuit and or even down 7% uh, if you've invested even 1 lakh it may be almost negligent in your uh, whole net worth but that gives you that satisfaction that you've done something uh, smart today so isn't that a great way to manage emotions correct but i do think on the flip side also what could happen is Uh, if there is a pullback in the market, mm-hmm. uh, the questions will undoubtedly arise as to why didn't we then put everything in before, right? Uh, so, but that is something to deal with at at that stage. But like you said, at least at this moment, you are managing their uh, behavior. Yeah, mostly. yeah. But uh, but having said that, uh, you know, most of these clients also know that we cannot uh, time markets. You know, uh, as having educated uh, us as an industry, having educated. client saying is this is long term investor i think that has worked a little in our favor as well because right. people are then uh, clear that you know you you can't really catch the bottom so even if people uh, a client some clients have even done one sip installment extra this month for example right, right. Uh, so they are clear that you know uh, this is a market that's going down our sips are happening and uh, i do have extra savings so i can do an extra sip installment so i think these are small very small ways to manage Our emotions. Uh, these are maybe uh, uh, things that will not impact our portfolio to that great extent, uh, but 
uh, things that sort of give us some solace and help us sleep a little better that night saying you know okay i can smile to myself saying you know what i invested uh, at a time when markets are down absolutely so i disagree with that at all uh, make it still this is a 30% crash in the market you don't put all your money in it yes uh, and you have a question about borrowing money now if someone is giving you money <laughs> interest free as a loan uh, then it is money that you should still deploy in the market but if you are still going to have to pay a significant interest rate on your loan it does not make any sense to take that uh, leverage and deploy everything today because we let's be honest we don't know what the economic impact is yes yes but i also do want to say that often times there is a disconnect between the stock market and the economy Hmm. Uh, either the stock market is behind the curve or the stock market is ahead of the curve. Right. So you could still find an instance where, uh, if uh, let's say central banks and governments do a fairly good job of uh, actually uh, enabling the harder hit sections of the society to recover quickly, uh, while it may not show up in economic data, uh, the stock market might see that as a good sign and really recover from here as well. Right. Yes. So, if you're looking at the economic data, it could paint a vastly different picture from what the stock market is also trying to tell. Right. So that is also something to be aware of. But do also be prepared to see further drop in the market. This may not be the bottom, uh, even if Absolutely. there's a pullback. Yes. So if you are investing money in today, do not go all in. Uh, like you also just said, we will not be able to catch the bottom of the market. Uh, it's everyone's dream. If we are able to catch the bottom of the market, that would be a once in a lifetime uh, opportunity. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, not all of us are magicians to be able to catch that. Or we are not uh, forecasters with hundred percent accuracy that we'll be able to say this is the bottom. Because I've heard stories of you know people saying in two thousand eight when the census had fallen to those eight thousand eight hundred, eight thousand nine hundred levels, mm-hmm. there were talks that it could fall to five thousand, four thousand levels. Well. Yeah. So every time there's an upward movement in the stock market, you see upward divisions. Uh, right. Every time there's a lower uh, uh, circuit hit or a lower estimate, you will see more and more estimates telling it will go down further. So yeah, I think Absolutely. that is as good as anybody's guess as ours. Right. Let's be honest. The market was not cheap to begin with. So it's if the market is looking, uh, is giving us a fantastic opportunity from the perspective of hmm. valuation, if I can you know, use that word, uh, to tell us this is the perfect time to invest. Right. Hmm. 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 Uh, we still find stocks. If I'm looking at stocks specifically, quality stocks or stocks which have actually done better than other stocks in the market. They are still continuing to hold up in this 30% direction. Right. There are stocks which have only fallen by 5%, 6%, 7% uh, during this market turmoil as well. Right. right. So I think, uh, I don't know if we have, I don't think we have spoken about this in the podcast, but at least in conversations we have had, we have said yes. that this polarization which has happened in the market where certain stocks have continued to receive all the money um, and other stocks which are not really done well fundamentally or grown have not received money, that polarization could continue. Yes. And good stocks could continue to see inflows even as the market recovers. Because what happens in a bear market is uh, there is actually no distinction between a good stock and a bad stock. Mm-hmm. Right? Every stock really gets uh, beaten down. Obviously, the bad stocks get beaten down more, but even the good stocks get really beaten down, which hasn't happened yet in this case. Right. Right. Um, so th- there could still be a possibility where there is further pressure if this pandemic continues 
and uh, you know people have underestimated the impact that could have in the economy then even the good quality stocks will could fall further which could exacerbate the selling in the market right so if you are trying to invest money today just be prepared to see further corrections in the market as well and don't deploy all your money in today absolutely so i don't really buy into this once in a lifetime opportunity because today when our industry and this is a kind of a small problem that i have uh, most of the communication that you see are this is a great time to buy Mm-hmm. Um, but when you talk about that, you also fail to give people that data as to uh, what could happen if it falls further. Like I said in 2008, and I will keep repeating that. Correct. Even if that, even after that, fallen by 30 percent, and you'd invested, you would have doubled your money only after six years because of a further meltdown. Yeah, yeah. So this, so looking for this once in a decade, once in a lifetime opportunity, I think is a slightly flawed concept, right? Because in the end, it's linked to goals, it's linked to a risk reward. uh it's linked to your psychology and what you're comfortable with as well uh so i wouldn't advise people to buy into those theories and just put all the money in i could be completely wrong and the market could recover from here uh but for us it's worth hard for our money um and we wouldn't want to see a portfolio drop by 50 60% and then go through mental health stress as well right so there is yeah. economic stress and then there could be the the third order effect of mental stress happening because of loss of jobs value values um i have had conversations with people who had never spoken to me about the market before saying that their uncle uh who have saved up for retirement are now stressed because uh, 30% of you know more of their portfolio have been wiped out right? mm-hmm. what happens in those cases if you don't have additional liquidity and uh you're seeing a 50% 60% wipeout Yeah, right. yeah. So those are things which I think our industry also needs to be slightly cognizant about yeah. uh, while advocating a once in a lifetime opportunity to invest. Absolutely, I think the philosophy that we work with that you know you have to invest based on your goals, and your risk profile doesn't change depending on the market conditions. Uh, market could be thirty percent up, thirty percent down. It doesn't matter. Uh, you have to invest according to your goals and according to your risk profile. I think that doesn't change ever. Absolutely. Yeah, but I also want to talk about the movement towards safer assets, right? And in this case, debt markets have also gone through a bit of a uh, stress in the last one week or so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I do want to address that because people who invested in in debt funds in the last one month could be looking even at a negative return. Right. Now, one of the reasons for that to happen is because the market reacts to if we like to react to everything, right? We like mm. to that we can anticipate everything. So what actually happened? and there are a couple of reasons is that one of the reasons is the us federal reserve cut their you know central bank of their policy rates to zero yeah uh this the rbi in india had also said that they will essentially do it takes to support the in trend times like this hmm um so when the, the rbi made that statement um the market participants believed that even the rbi would offer policy rate cut right right so when that happened uh there is an inverse relationship between price keep it very simple keep it can refer back to our discussion on uh debt funds to understand this further but there is an inverse relationship right so when the demand for bonds goes up the price goes up and it needs fall right so when people expected the rbi to cut rates a lot of market participants um you know started buying bonds hoping that the yield will fall and then they will make money so yeah. before the rbi press conference Yields had actually fallen, mm-hmm. which was a positive. But when the RBI press conference happened, and there was no sign of a rate cut or no indication of a rate cut, 
uh, bond yields again went up, which resulted in prices going lower, and people uh, who had invested recently in debt markets are seeing negative returns on debt markets. Right. The second thing is usually in the month of March, there are outflows from debt funds, especially in liquid-oriented uh, funds, because of advanced tax payments and all that companies have to make and others also have to make. Right. So that selling uh, from debt funds also then, uh, you know, uh, further intensifies this problem, which is why there has been a negative uh, return in the past few uh, days. So, but uh, I also, yeah. Go ahead. No, so now that we're saying, okay, for somebody who's looking at, say, the next two years, three years uh, time horizon, okay, and it is, does not want to take too much risk, or uh, they're looking at the way things are so uncertain, so would then it be a good time to buy gold? But just consider the returns gold has given in the last year, so yeah. and it's considering it's at all-time highs again. So yeah. uh, is it then something that one should consider? Right. So I'll address the debt part and the gold part of it, right? So on the debt front, I don't think people should be worried about the fall in the yield uh, because if the economy does slow down, the RBI will have to use tools in their favor, which is policy rate cuts in the future as well. It may not happen immediately, but in the future, which means the yields could actually even come down, which means that whatever you have lost, you should be ideally be able to recover. Uh, but... Compared to the past one, one and a half years, this is actually a good time for people to have money to invest in debt to actually invest in high-quality short-term debt funds. I still do not want to take the risk and buy long-dated debt funds. Short-duration okay. debt funds of high quality, I would still think this is a good time for people to actually invest in because the yields have gone up to the, uh, at, the, at this point in time. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that, I think, is a good opportunity in the debt fund space. Um, so people shouldn't panic about what has uh, essentially happened. Though I do also want to talk very quickly about credit risk funds and uh, funds okay. that are taking out a lot of credit. Because if this economic impact uh, is cascading, what will happen is that a lot of these um, lower-rated uh, papers of companies which do not have a lot of cash and support uh, could go through stress and default. So mm-hmm. if you have invested in credit risk funds, these could be trying times for them in the next one year as well, and you could see situations of default happening. Uh, okay. so that is something to be a little concerned about. Right? Mm-hmm. Whether you should get out of credit risk funds and move is an entirely different uh, topic of conversation because um, I agree with debt, you don't want to take on too much of risk because this is money that will help you sleep well at night. Right. Right. So taking on too much of credit risk, this to an additional half percent, one percent, I don't think is a very smart thing to do. So you might actually have to reevaluate and see whether you want to get out of credit response, pay that 30% tax, and sleep better at night by moving to a short duration, high quality debt fund. It could be a trade-off that you might have to make as well. Okay. Um, Now, going back to your question on gold, I think gold has been um, an underestimated part of people's portfolio over the last few years, right, or over the last decade. Um, And I think gold has to be a certain part of everyone's portfolio. Just because in situations like this, this is probably the only thing that kind of uh, holds on. Because central banks still hold gold, there is still value associated with gold. Uh, Should you be investing in gold even at these levels? Uh, Again, the purpose of investing in gold is not really to make super normal returns. Uh, The purpose of investing in gold is to have that kind of a safety net in case there is a 
or recession in case there is an economic system collapse. Right? Uh, I wouldn't recommend anyone to have 50% of their money in gold. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't recommend anyone to have nothing in gold. Right? Mm-hmm. So you have to find that part of the portfolio that usually what we have seen is around 5 to 10% mm-hmm. of someone's portfolio being invested in gold. Right? Which from a data point of view has held up uh, over a long period of time. So I would still recommend that people start buying into gold even though it has gone up in the past. Uh, one year, and that's been around 30% returns in the past one year. I think that is that is fine because again, you're not deploying, you're not going to be deploying all your money into gold at this point. Okay. Debt is still an option, right? Mm-hmm. You could still invest in debt and sleep well at night because gold, even though it is supposed to be a safety net, even gold can go through 10% correction, 15% correction. Mm-hmm. Right? But that is after a run up of 30%. But in the long run, we know that these kind of cases are bound to happen, which affect the economy. And for that reason, keep building into gold. I also do want to say, do not, at this time, do not push diversification. Don't put? Do not ignore international diversification. Okay. The US markets have also fallen by 30-35%. Mm-hmm. Uh, our currency has weakened. Significantly, yes. And then the RBI is intervening in the currency market to ensure that there is no uh, free fall of the currency. Mm-hmm. So investing in the international markets also, uh, I think, is something that people should not ignore as part of their portfolio. So this actually gives us an opportunity to kind of evaluate uh, where we've been investing, what we've been doing, and make sure that we are actually learning lessons from these. Right, and we're not investing all our money uh, chasing the equity market when it's doing well, and that we are actually practicing asset allocation the way it's supposed to. Because unless you have asset allocation, if you had allocated your assets effectively and you had a certain buffer in uh, liquid funds or in safe assets, hmm. you wouldn't need to think about borrowing money to invest in a time like this. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think that bit of asset allocation is something which everyone ignores, and we get carried away. In a bear market and in a bull market. In a bull market, we have everything in equity, and in a bear market, we have everything in debt. Right. So uh, I think uh, this podcast uh, for me, as I'm uh, as we're talking as well, uh, for me, it's sort of a leveler, uh, so to speak. So if I'm extremely optimistic, I'm getting the sense uh, from this uh, uh, conversation that you know, don't be extremely optimistic that everything is going to go back to normal in the next week. Uh, and if I'm extremely pessimistic and saying, you know what, uh, the world is coming to an end and I should move everything to gold because, you know, even currency will not be uh, uh, of value. I'm getting the sense that I should not go to that end either and be a little more optimistic and say, you know what, it may take two months to get to normal, but it will get to normal. Look at China, right? So things are back to uh, normal in China now. Of course, they had this whole uh, time that they focused on things and enough um, sort of isolation that they did work for them and all of that, but they're, they're back to work now. They had to shut factories. They practically shut down uh, everything uh, for a couple of weeks, uh, uh, more than a couple of weeks, actually. And now things are back to normal. You see the stock markets even. So, yeah, I think this conversation for me is more like a leveler uh, in that sense. Right. So, essentially, human beings have been resilient. Right. We have been able to 
uh, weather a lot of storms in the past, and we will continue to weather all these storms in the future as well. And this is not going to be the last storm that we face. Right. Um, right. And we have been resilient overall, so we will overcome this. Right. The only thing that I do again want to say to people who um, are investing in the markets is that don't expect a miracle return from the market mm-hmm. at any stage. Whether you're investing at the start of a bull market. Because there are times when you'll get carried away and you'll see a correction like this. And don't get too carried away and put all your money in even when there's a sharp correction like this. Right? The objective is not to try and create a 50% return in one year. Uh, the objective is to make sure that uh, you know, you're sleeping well at night, there's capital preservation. But on the other hand, you're participating in such opportunities and growing your money for the future as well. Right. So it's that finding that balance, as with everything else in life, right? Where we talk a lot about work-life balance, it's also about finding a balance with your investment. Yeah. Right. So I think that is our conversation today, and it's been a pretty long conversation, uh, one of the longer ones that we had. Even though at the start of the conversation we said we'll try and wrap it up in fifteen minutes, uh, but I think we have a lot to talk about, and we do like talking about these things and. Uh, trying to um, you know let people know what our thoughts are. So I hope it has been helpful. Um, and I know that we don't have the right answer or the perfect answer because I think in times like this, people also look for um, you know affirming views where if they are already negative, they they would want to hear a, more, a, a strictly yeah. negative view, more negative, or yeah. they would want to hear a strictly positive view. Yeah, uh, that is not something that we have given. We have not said that. Uh, you know, we are extremely bearish and this is what we should do, nor have we said that this is extremely bullish and this is what we do. And I don't think we have ever been in that position where we do that. Um, and we try and predict exactly what is going to happen because we understand that a lot of these things are not in our control. Uh, that being said, the rewards that could potentially come by making sure that you have investments in times like this, I think is something that people should keep in mind. Um, as long as you have a longer term horizon to invest in. Yeah, so keep your destination in mind. Don't just go by the journey today. Uh, Yeah. Perfect. So thanks so much, Shweta. I think it has been a fairly fruitful remote uh, recording and hopefully this works out well. Um, And we will try and, you know, send out notes and try and put out uh, notes as well more frequently in trying times like this uh, to keep the communication going. Uh, because I do want people also to realize that uh, the view that we have, you need to be open to change. Uh, you cannot say that this is the only view that we have. So if the if the economy uh, you know reacts differently, if things change, we will also have to adjust our views accordingly. And uh, maybe there could be a time where we go uh, heavily overweight on equities, or there could be a time where we might go heavily overweight on debt. Right. So we should be prepared for those changes as well. Super. All right. So thanks everyone for tuning in. Hopefully this has been useful to you. And we look forward to having you listen in to our next episode. Uh, Thank you. Stay safe. And um, stay safe even while investing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.